Please turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. Tonight I'd like to read verses 1 through 14, uh, and, but in particular we are looking at just verse 8. Again, this is the Lord's word. Let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them, and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves also are in the body. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we confidently say, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. So let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach, for here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Amen. Would you bow with me and let's pray. Again, our Father in heaven, uh, we do thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Father, that we read this word just as the saints throughout the centuries have read this word and taken encouragement by it. And now they are a cloud of witnesses. We pray that your blessing will be upon us and that in a, in a measure that is pleasing to you, you would pour out your spirit upon us as we have just sung to you. We pray that you would come and revive your church and strengthen your people. We humbly ask these things, Father, knowing that we are dust, we are weak, we are feeble, we are frail, we are so easily led astray, and so often we ourselves go astray, preferring this world uh, to you. Forgive us so much for this, we pray. We ask that your grace would be upon us, that we would seek that Christ himself um, is our great treasure, is the great treasure, and there is no treasure beyond him. Bless your word now, we pray, going forward, and come and be present with us by your spirit. We humbly ask all of this now in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. When times are good, be glad. Uh, when times are good, when things go our way, it seems that our faith is strongest at those times. It seems that we are immovable when everything is going our way. When the bills can be paid, when the car starts and nothing is broken, relationships are sound and healthy, we can feel quite spiritual and feel quite up to the task when everything's going our way. But when times are bad, when things are difficult, when things break and finances are tight, when the marriage relationship is rocky, 
How spiritual do you find yourself being at those points? You don't feel particularly spiritual at those points, do you? It's just an observation, but it's an observation that people are seemingly nicer and more spiritual when things are predictable. We are better Christians when the boat isn't rocked uh, than when it is rocked. And our faith, our constancy, our perseverance are challenged when our surroundings and our circumstances change. Uh, As much as we would like constancy in this world, in this world of ours, this life, things change. In fact, if you listen here to the writer of Ecclesiastes, he says this in chapter 3. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing, a time to search and a time to give up as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Interesting, profound words. There's a time for all of these things under the sun. And here we are on the cusp of 2024. Time to change, a new year, another election, new leaders in the White House perhaps, elders, deacons, new challenges, new deadlines, new expenses, another birthday, another death, more taxes, new joys, and new sorrows. If we look at the times in which we're living, they are changing. Every day, things are changing. And with this changing comes the feelings of uncertainty and anxiety and the fear of the future and what the future may bring. As I alluded to this morning, as you hear people addressing the year ahead of us, they are talking about new pandemics and new plagues and new um, bills and policies and new strictures. Uh, We hear of all of these new things that are coming to us in 2024. And it, it would be easy for us to feel overwhelmed and feel quite consumed uh, by concern. The Israelites preferred their leeks and onions in Egypt to the uncertainty of the wilderness. The sailor who was at sea long before there was uh, satellite tracking, uh, he could become very lost if he lost sight of the pole star, that one constant star in the sky. We are like those sailors at night, the wind and the waves Uh, toss us about and we lose our bearings if we don't keep our eyes upon Jesus Christ. Who he is and what he has done, how easily we become discouraged. He is our anchor amidst the shifting tide. And you, Christian, are given this assurance and on this we must, on him, we must fix our gaze. Again, verse 8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. This singular verse is put amidst final instructions to the readers of the Hebrews, which may seem strange to us. Um, We're given instructions, and that's why I read the broader context. We're given instructions concerning hospitality 
prisoners, marriage, and money. And then we have this statement given to us in verse 7. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. You'll notice, as, as perhaps in your scriptures, and your translations, there's a footnote on this where it says the result of their conduct. Um, you may have a footnote, and it means consider the end of their life. How did those leaders who were before you, who led you, how did they end their lives? How did their lives end? Did they die well? And if they did die well, <clears throat> what does dying well actually look like? Right? It's not just saying, saying a prayer at some point in your life and then going on about your business for the rest of your life, never thinking about the Lord. The person who dies well is the person who dies with his boots on serving the Lord. It's perseverance of the saints. It's this preservation where... He's steadfast, he's immovable, he's always abounding in the things the Lord has called him to until the day the Lord Jesus takes him home. That's what a leader, when he dies, he dies well. You consider the way he died, he lived his life, and if he died well, imitate his faith, imitate their faith. Here, in this context, a first generation of Christian teachers has died off. Who will stand in the gap? Things are changing. Now what shall we do might be the question. Oh no, our leaders are dying. What are we going to do? It's easy to be spiritual when everything is in its place, isn't it? When everything's peaceful and everything's going just as we, we like. And when our leaders are, are doing what they should be doing and everything's, then, then my, my spirituality is great. We like permanence, but things change. And in this instance, it is the leaders of these Christians who now had and were dying off, who will they imitate? And who will be there, uh, be there to champion them? People come and people go. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I want to ask you, just before we go any further, why do you come to church? And I'm glad to see you, and I wouldn't drive any of you away, but what is your faith based upon? Is it based upon... The, the, the personality of the guy behind the pulpit. Don't let it be. Is it based upon someone else? You, you like the fellowship. You like the jip, chips and dip that we put out in the, the foyer. You know, whoever brought it, it was quite good. Um, we have so many things that we, we will build our lives upon. And then when it's shaken, what do you do? Brush, brush your hands. Wipe your hands off and you, you hit the trail. And we see this all the time. I'd go to church, but there's just so many hypocrites. You don't know how people hurt me there, so I'm not going back. Have you heard that one? We've all heard that, haven't we? My question is, well, who was your faith in? What were you, what were you trusting in? And what about these leaders? They're dying off. What are you going to do? Here, the writer of Hebrews holds up Jesus Christ to us so that uh, as the constant, while other people and things and circumstances change, hear me, Jesus Christ will never change, and therefore your faith need not and must not waver. This verse is given to us in the midst of change, change in the church, and we can apply it just as easily to change in the world and things that go on. And the question is, friends, will you be steadfast and movable? Will you abide in the faith until the day of the Lord Jesus? Or when things change, will you say, I'm out of here. 
I mean, I've got better things to do now. Really, what, what is your focus upon? And as we enter into a new year and all of the things that are, that are coming, and, and no doubt these things will occur, who thought 2023 could be quite, a, quite the year it's turned out to be? And you never think, well, 2024, it's going to be better. That depends on how you define better. <laughs> better for my sanctification? Maybe, well. Um, Christ is held up as that pole star. Christ is, is held up to us to keep our eyes fixed upon him. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Now he starts by giving us in verse 8, Jesus Christ, he, he writes these titles. Um, he puts us in mind of who he is, the very first thing. Jesus Christ, this, this name uh, is used three times in this book, in chapter 10 and twice here in chapter 13. Jesus, of course, means, as we've seen on Sunday mornings, that he saves his people from their sins. And Christ means the anointed one. He is set apart for a specific task. He was the long-awaited one. Uh, that the people of old looked for always. He is the beloved son of the Father, uh, the one who has come to do the will of the Father, the one who is chosen and beloved, who has come into the world to, to redeem his people. If you would look with me to John chapter 1, let me read for you several verses regarding our Lord. John 1, verse 29 and following. We read this. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf, on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the anointed one who has come to fulfill and do the work of the Father, to bring about redemption for the lost. He's our only hope, as we saw last week. And he is the same. When the writer of Hebrews says that he is the same, he is referring not so much, said John Calvin, to his essence, but to his quality. What is the point of the writer of Scripture here? Is his point, is, is, is the writer of Hebrews, and I believe it was the Apostle Paul, that's debatable uh, in some circles, um, but what is the Apostle's point in telling us of that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Is his point to say that, to speak of his eternal existence? There is no doubt about his eternal existence. Well, we don't need verse 8 to tell us this about Jesus Christ because we have other places in Scripture telling us this very thing. For instance, John 8 58 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Hearkening back, right, to the, the call of Moses while in the wilderness to go. Who shall I say sent me? I am that I am, the one who is transcendent, the one who exists in himself and needs no one else. 
And Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am. Believe me, every Jew listening to him understood exactly what his point was when he said that. In John 17, 5, he says, Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. In Revelation 1, 8, we read, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to, to come, the Almighty. And then later in Revelation 22, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Those who say God changes or that Jesus is less than God have a lot of explaining to do in explaining these verses. The scripture is plain. He exists eternally. But notice in verse 7, uh, it places this, uh, verse 7, the writer places verse 7 against this verse 8 in the context of history. Leaders are coming and going, but Jesus Christ does not, hear me, Jesus Christ does not come and go. Leaders come and go, but Jesus Christ does not come and go. His nature, he's the self, uh, he's the same. His work remains unchanged. And so he says he is the same yesterday and today and forever. What does he mean by this? That is, Jesus Christ is the same since the first you heard of him. He has not changed. Certainly the message concerning him has not changed since the first you have heard of him. This came home to me one day uh, in a very stark way. I did an internship where I was asked to help with a, a pastoral prayer in a church where I became a Christian. And it was, oh goodness, it must have been four or 5,000 people. And so the, the, the sanctuary was gigantic. I mean, it was had two tiers and it was up there. And I was asked to get up there and, and give an invocation and pray. And I was just 21, I think. I was very young. And I got up there to pray. And what struck me as I was praying is that my grandmother, who had died recently, or just shortly before or after that, she was born in 1899. And my grandmother came to know the Lord in her late, in her mid-90s. Always a moral woman. She was a moral woman. She was a good woman. But I don't think she came to know the Lord until her 90s. But she was born in 1899. And my grandmother passed away. And here I am, you know, years and years and years and years later, praying to the same God that she would later come, come to and confess. And it, it struck me as so strange that here one generation, two generations comes and goes, but Christ remains the same. It's a wonderful thought, isn't it? He's timeless. He's timeless. The writer of Hebrews said this in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received the just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders, and by various miracles, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. 
Here, the Lord himself came and dwelt among us, fulfilling all the types and shadows of the Old Testament. Everything that the Old Testament spoke about pointed to Jesus Christ. He came and he fulfills all of these things. He comes and he speaks to his disciples in word and deed with powerful miracles, convincing them who he is. And those he spoke to carried the message of salvation from God's, the message of salvation from God's wrath against sin, and it was confirmed as true by God himself through various miracles, signs, and wonders and gifts of the Spirit. This is how these readers were introduced to Jesus Christ. This is what these readers understood about Jesus Christ. But now, those who had brought this good news with great power associated with it were now dying off. I guess we need to go. I guess we need to quit. I guess we need to walk away. But this should not be a cause for fear when your leaders die and when times change. And really, this is, this is such a problem. We, we base our confidence and our hope on a world, and we think these people will not change, this relationship will not change, the circumstances will not change. We'll always live in this glorious country where there's freedom of speech, of course, and there's, no, of course, they'll never consider preaching a hate crime, will they? Just wait. 2024 might bring some real surprises to us. And what do you do? Is it all a wash? Is it done? Should we quit? Christ himself has not changed. He has not changed but continues to be our mediator, the one who stands between ourselves and God. Here is God and here are you. And in between is Christ himself mediating for us. Uh, for there is one God and one mediator, said Paul in 1 Timothy. Uh, there is one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Joseph himself served as a mediator between the sons of Jacob and Pharaoh, and Moses served as a mediator between the Israelites and God, staying his hand of wrath against them. So Jesus himself does not change. And though uh, yesterday's leaders have passed, uh, implies the writer, so Jesus himself stays the same. We have this constancy, you see, because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ not only stays the same yesterday, but he stays the same today. Yesterday, again, he performed the work of a mediator, but he does not change or fade. And though he came and was crucified, he did not stay dead, and death could not hold him down. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. Do you remember what he told Mary Magdalene? He said, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God, and your God, where he now intercedes for us, his people. This is the same. He intercedes for us, even today, where he represents the believer in God's presence. Listen to Romans uh, 8, 33 through 35. We read this. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? The leaders are gone. But guess what? We have one who intercedes for us still. In 2024, we can still go to him in prayer, regardless of what else happens. Remember in the days of Daniel, you'll not pray to anyone but Darius. That's it. That's the king's command. 
Interesting, says Daniel. Oh, it's time for me to go and pray. And he goes up to his room, and what does he do? He prays just like he had every single other time before. Christ is there, my friends, to intercede for us. We read this again in Hebrews 7, 23 through 25. The former priests, on the one hand, existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. But Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives Listen, he always lives to make intercession for them. That's Jesus. Your leaders pass away, but Jesus is still at the right hand of the Father, interceding for his people. And then we read in in Hebrews 9, 24 through 26. For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, Nor was it that he would offer himself often as the high priest enters the holy place year by year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the consummation of the ages, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Do you hear what Jesus Christ has done for us and how he remains the same? Today, he remains the same. So yesterday, he was our mediator. Today, he is our intercessor. And here, he stays the same forever as a priest forever. As you know, a priest is someone who represents the people before God and God to the people. Again, listen to the writer of Hebrews as he writes in Hebrews 5, 1 through 6. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men and things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided since he himself also is beset with weaknesses, weakness. And because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for sins as for the people, so also for himself. And no one takes the honor to himself but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. He is a priest. And listen to chapter 7 again as I read verse 17. We read this. For it is attested of him, that is of Jesus, you are a high priest forever according to to the order of Melchizedek. And then in verse 24 and following we read, but Jesus on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he also or always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily, like those high priests, to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, because this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints a son made perfect forever. You see the frailty of men? and the, the, the temporalness of men, and you see the permanence of Christ. 
that he is a high priest. He is a high priest forever. And finally then in verse chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, we read this. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Knowing that Jesus Christ does not change in his work on yours and my behalf, what are we to be? Once again, many are shaken in their faith when things change. And, and again, the goal always is that we come to church and we sit under the word, we pick up the word, we read the word, we pray, we sing, we fellowship, we partake of these means of grace. The whole goal is that we would help one another along, uh, along this path, that we would persevere in the faith until the end when Jesus Christ returns. You, you, right, we, we, we talk about this, and I've, I've mentioned this before, and I, I think it bears mentioning again. The phrase, once saved, always saved, if that is not explained, we really get ourselves into trouble with that because it's, it, it creates a false assurance in people. Say this prayer, now you're saved, now get on with life. That's not the Christian faith. But those who are saved of the Lord will persevere in the things of the Lord in holiness until the day of the Lord. That's what we want to see. And, and, and so in this ever-changing world, what is it that's going to help us to die well? It's gazing upon Jesus Christ. It's seeing who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ has done. People will change and circumstances will change. Will we still have the same benefits and blessings if things change this year coming up? In Christ Jesus, you bet we will. Things don't change. And it's interesting that he says this very thing. We've mentioned this in regard to our tithing. Where the Lord says, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Our friends, the Colobans, they understand this. They're still in church. They're still worshiping the Lord. They've lost all their worldly belongings. What is their hope? I guarantee you it's not in that moving truck. Right? It's in the Lord. The Lord hasn't changed. Circumstances change, but the Lord does not. In whom have you placed your trust? Or have you built your house on shifting sand? This will be tested. If your hope and confidence lies in people whom you can see and their performance, you will be shaken, my friends. You will be the people who walk away and say, they let me down, I don't want anything to do with them. People are finite. The best among us are sinful. They will, we will disappoint. If you're hoping in Jesus because someone else has impressed you, and then you still are on shaky ground, now is the time to turn from that idolatry and to place your faith and confidence and hope in one who will not disappoint. We have people that we look up to and we love, and they disappoint. Amen? Amen. And yet, there's one person in the church who is not a hypocrite. Jesus Christ, the head of the church. 
isn't it interesting that we are to keep our eyes upon him and not upon our leaders? He will deliver. He will deliver on the promises he has made. He will deliver on the promises to wash you of your sins, to make peace between you and God, to purify, to perfect, and to safely bring you home. Understand that the writer of Hebrews doesn't want any of the Lord's people to fall away or to have their confidence shaken because of a change of any sort in the church, but to hold fast. He says in chapter 12, verse 28, Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. My friends, we hold fast in confident hope because Jesus Christ is the same and your faith in him is not in vain. So as we would come into this new year, what do you do? You ready for this? Show the genuineness of your faith by continuing in his service. Just continue. Continue as you are. Continue looking to him, trusting in him, praying to him. He is faithful. Um, do not neglect to meet and to grow in his word and, and knowing him. Obey the things he has called us to do. Why? Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Continue to trust what his word has said. Um, continue to trust the work that he is doing in his providence. He is the same. He will not change. And continue to march forward with the gospel to those people out in the world around us. Uh, those who are currently like sailors without a pole star to guide them home. We have a reason for such boldness and we have a reason to be able to sleep. Not that we always do, but we have a reason to to rest and to rest confidently and that is because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Let's pray. We again, Father, thank you for this evening and again thank you for the privilege of worship and to have our eyes lifted to Jesus Christ. Father, we have all become so disappointed by things we have seen and heard by the world around us wanting to have things work a certain way. We would all find that sweet spot and we would protect it so that it would never change. But then, Father, we would not be trusting in you. We'd be like those horses that have worn a trail for so long. They'd know nothing else. But what a kind God you are, that you upset the apple cart, and that you make us look to you you correct us in the midst of the course so that we would not place our confidence in things that are not worthy of confidence. Father, I pray that this year, this new year coming upon us, that our eyes would be lifted to you more. And that when change comes, when deaths occur, when births happen, and when sorrows hit, whatever it is that comes to us, Father, that our eyes would be lifted to you that we would rejoice in Jesus Christ, our King, and that we, like those who've gone before, would die well, and that we would leave behind for our children and grandchildren a faith that is worthy of imitation. We give you praise now and pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.